Hello and welcome to the smallest poker game in town. I'm here with Valerio and Ray and today we're going to be talking about fish in poker. Hello guys. Hello. Hi Claire. Hi Claire. So what is a fish, Claire? A fish, well, a fish is any bad player. It's a generic term that we use in poker to define anyone who's bad. That can be bad because they're soft, they're passive, they call lots of bets, they don't make any aggressive raises, or they can be bad because they're a maniac and they throw their money around and they put lots of pots into the, into the chips into the pot and you can exploit that too. Ray, what do you think? I agree. I mean, fish is a generic term. But fish come in many different shapes and sizes. But in general, they're people who aren't that experienced in the game or haven't maybe studied or learnt much from their experience in the game. And they're amongst the most profitable players to play against. So that's the reason they're called fish, because they're profitable? Or what is the reason they're called fish? Do you know, I, I don't know. Is there, is there a reason, Ray? I, I don't know where fish comes from. No, I suppose, I, I guess there are terms like shooting fish in a barrel um, as a proverb, which means they're very easy targets and, it, it, you, know, and you, can, you can make profit out of them. I, yeah, that's a good question okay. where that comes from. I was from. thinking about fishing. You go in fishing and then you wait someone. You reel them in. Wait with patience and then someone, okay, now I go to, and then you, you go. Yeah, yeah. That's, a good, that's a good analogy. It might be that. Yeah, patience, not wait until it's profitable. Then. Yeah, and then you, you get the fish when, when, when you can. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. so. And I suppose uh, if you think about sharks, which is almost like the opposite of the fish, which is somebody you don't want to hook on your line. But a you? shark is a fish as well. Then it cannot be. Well, a the point. shark is going to be much more dangerous. And yeah. You want you don't really want to go fishing for no, sharks, it, it, do you? It's, yeah. It's sharks dangerous. in in poker tend to be the tend to be better players who are trying to catch the fish. So I suppose mm, it's. Yeah. A correct analogy. They say actually that it, when you sit down in a poker game, you should immediately look around and see if you can work out who the fish in the game are. And if you can't work it out, it's probably you. Oh, nice. nice. <laughs> nice to know. So sometimes it happens, who's the fish here? Well, it's me. Then uh, you, you, you know that you can stand from the table, change the table you because probably you are the fish. If you can't identify the fish, then you, you want, change probably want to change then. table. Yeah. yeah, I mean, some tables can be very tough. There's a lot of very good poker players out there these days. So you can, can sit at a table where you might have a couple of people who are slightly exploitable, but they're not really full-on fish. You really want to get some, you want there to be some money in your game that you can get hold of. I guess in our home game, where you're playing with the same people by and large every week, you get to know very quickly who the the, the fish are at the table. Yeah, you can tell. You can, you can identify it fairly quickly with their bite bet sizing, with how much they're calling um with how, yeah how, how passive they are you know what positions they're calling in are they calling under the gun you know well you don't have to play many hands to be able to identify someone's style and perhaps put them in a little little box that that where you think they are yeah i think a lot of the time is they play too many hands uh, they have no regard for position i think that's a very good point and they have no regard for bet sizing as to nope what how much they ought to be betting uh, mm. to create favourable situations. So a fish is someone that is exploitable. Yes, absolutely. 
So I think today we were going to focus more on on the kind of passive calling stations um, rather than the maniacs in the game. Um, so should we say a bit more about that? Well, I think a calling station is somebody who will find it hard to release a hand if they have made something, hmm. let's say, on the flop. Uh, they're probably trying to see lots of flops. I liken this sort of player often to... They see poker as a game like blackjack. They pay their $2 or their two chips. They want to get in as cheaply as possible. And then they get to see three cards and they have a poker hand. So they want to see all the five cards at the end. Well, uh, they certainly want to see the first three cards. And then if they have made something, and and in terms of what they've made, a pair is good uh, or a draw for the flush or a straight, they see that as a result and then they find it hard to release it. So as the, the turn comes and the river, they still want to be calling bets. And they're also not raising very often. They're, they're just quite passive. I mean, you... Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, any two cards can win. We all know that. You know, you're dealt seven deuce off suit and the flop might come seven, seven deuce. I mean, and, and I think the thing about fish and I think the thing about calling stations in particular is that they think, literally think that any two cards can win and they should play them and they should at least see three more cards because they won't know if they'll hit. And they get so frustrated if they pass their seven deuce and it comes mm. seven, seven deuce there. Like, they'll tell you all about it and like how, well, how unlucky they were that they didn't get involved in that pot and then that'll make them play even more pots because you they they hate to hit the hand and not have been part of it i think they also are kind of i call them slaves to the variants if they keep missing the flop having paid their two chips uh by limping in and they keep missing it they'll tell you all about it that they i've been so unlucky i've never hit my hand and uh, you know, I'm just waiting to hit my hand. They're playing to hit hands rather than playing out the, the whole game. And they see it like a um, a casino game of, of blackjack almost, I think. So they play almost every hand to see the flop. If they could play every hand for two chips, the big yeah. blind, they would. If there is a big race, they start if, thinking, right. okay, I'm not sure about this. They'll generally this. play if there's lots of other players in. So, you know, it doesn't mm. matter what their cards are. If they see a pot that's growing, even if it's, you know, one, two, and somebody's raised to ten, if it's got two or three callers, oh, they can't resist the big pot there. You know, it doesn't matter what they've got, they'll put their ten in because they might hit. That's important. I mean, the other thing about calling stations is that there's sort of two types. There's those who, who are also passive, so they will then just kind of call along or if they hit, make a small bet. Whereas there's some who are calling stations, they'll call lots of lots of bets pre-flop. But if they hit, they then will be more aggressive and they're a little bit trickier because they're, they're you know, you're, they will, but they'll make it known that they've hit. So they're not that hard to play. But you want to, it, ideally, you want a calling station who's also very passive, uh, ideal player but at the table. But a station is passive, a calling station, no? because, uh, but sometimes it can be t- uh, aggressive, and you know that he has something, but a calling station, yeah. when you start putting money, uh, yeah. raising... And in the in different places can be calling stations because they they call a lot pre-flop, say, but then how they act thereafter, hmm. it, it can can be different. So you can still have a calling station who then is prepared to bet when they hit, um, mm-hmm. but they want to play a lot of pots. They're much more dangerous. Yeah, yeah. 
like uh, let's say there is someone playing all all pots and micro bet as well like doing like a my like a one uh, uh, let's say there is eight blinds big blinds in the pots they bet two blinds and then again two blinds two blinds this is still a calling station if do, they are doing the, yeah because it's like a check then if they're doing that, you can't bluff them. You, they're, they're calling to the river then. I mean, even if you put in a big bet, they're not going away. So, okay, they're only betting small. But in terms of tactics playing against them, as soon as they stop betting at all, you're not getting rid of them before the river. So don't don't try and bluff them when they're making any kind of action. Yeah, I think the, I think the most profitable type of player is somebody who you can get three streets of value when you make your hand on the flop. And they just keep paying you off. And if you're able to, you know, when the pot is small and the flop comes down and get them hooked into it so that they, they, they think they have a chance and the pot is growing and it, you bet again on the turn and they call you again. And then by the time you get to the river, I mean, I'm prepared to go to like three streets of value with top pair good kicker against these players even though by the fact that they're calling you tells you that they have something but what they value as being a good hand is not the same as what I would value as a good hand Hmm. and if they start raising you any sign of aggression you can let it go but they will turn over you know uh, top pair with no kicker and think their hand they is good. They forever lose with poor kickers. I mean, that's one mm. of the things that's quite familiar is, you know, they, they, they don't understand the value of the kickers. So they, they hit top pair and there's no way can they get away from it. Sometimes, though, they hit their second pair and, and then, you know, you lose to them. But I think if that when that happens, you just have to say, well played, good hand, and, like, congratulate them. You actually want them to win some of the time. If they don't win some of the time, they're not going to stay in the game. So you, you kind of just have to take the rough with the smooth when that kind of thing happens. And they... It, you know, if they if they keep losing, they might modify their behaviour. And in the long run, you want their behaviour to stay the same. The other thing I have noticed, I think in our game, some players they overvalue a pocket pair. But, but when they get dealt it, even before the flop comes, they feel they've made a hand. Yeah. Well, they have. They, they've got a pair of sixes them, yeah. or a pair of fives. And then when the flop comes down, it's almost irrelevant. They've still got a pair of sixes. And I've seen that people overvalue that pocket pair despite overcards coming yes but- sometimes you get like two tens they get and then a queen coming and they cannot figure out why should I have a queen now my dad opponents and it's not possible he has got a queen so lucky and they just stick they think he must not have a queen and then to realize at the river he had the queen, was betting because he had a big pair. Then Another just... characteristic I have seen, and whether this is typical of the, the calling station, is that when they have um, a good hand, like aces or kings, like a, a premium hand, they get tempted to slow play. Uh, and they kind of don't want to bet big because they think you're just going to fold and they're not going to get value. And that tends to lead to lead them to carry on playing their overpair to the board, as it almost certainly is, and allowing you to draw out on them. And then they pay you off. Have you seen that? 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, they, they if you deal them a premium hand, they'll be there till the river. And, you know, if you can outdraw them, they, they you've got to extract maximum value from them. Yeah. So I think it's easy to play like a corner station passive because if you want to keep, you are in charge of the pot. If you want to keep it small, you can keep it small. If you want to make it bigger, you can keep it bigger. So it's up to you to decide when to increase the pot or not. Yeah, and that they give you great pot odds. So if they if they do hit top pair, you know, you, they've got ace-king and the king-high board, they'll bet, as you said earlier, a very small percentage of the pot. And now you can draw to your straights and flushes quite cheaply. Yeah. And they certainly ain't folding on the river if you hit so you know you can call them call them and when you hit you can put in a big bet and they'll call you off on the air no problem so they're they're giving you value with your drawing hands um yeah Yeah, i've i've started you know against those sorts of players i start playing backdoor draws as you know for for a couple of chips or two or three chips and Okay, I don't expect to hit my hand, but it's not costing me much. But when I do hit it, they pay you off. What about, you know, bluffing the calling station? No. Can they be bluffed? Um, It's tough to bluff a calling station. I mean, you can maybe test it with, you know, with a... They, they don't generally call with absolutely nothing if your bet's big enough. If you raise pre-flop and they've called and you put in a big enough C bet, then they will call with any inkling, any tiniest part of it. But you can, so you can kind of get rid of them if they've got absolutely nothing, but uh, but mostly it's better not to even try. We are thinking also about calling station. They are calling station anti the river. They want to see all the five cards because they are calling station. Maybe they are sticky until the turn and probably at the river they may be fold if you put a big bet usually they don't don't know are able to call your bet yeah i think the the flop's the main thing they want to see um so sometimes you can get rid of them on the flop if they've really got no part of it but if they if they think they've got any anything good in their hand that is going to last even if they've got overcards to the board if they've got like you know king jack and the flop comes 10 high you're not getting them away from their king jack because yeah. they they want to stay and see if it hits but if they've got undercards to the board and no semblance of hitting then you you might you, you might well get them off it um but but they like the flop is important because there's that's three cards Probably that's why it's not good to bluff them. It's not profitable. It's just profitable to play your hands to decide how big it has to be the pots. You you are in charge. But if you start bluffing and doing other stuff, you are not you are not taking advantage of the weakness. Then I think the weakness is that they are not in charge of the pot, and then you can decide how much if you want to make uh, chips. If you want to make money, you decide to to put chips in the pot. I think I would still be happy to bluff on the flop a continuation bet. Yeah, me too. Because it's small and you clear mm. out their their hands, which could spike something on the turn. So I'm not going to, I don't think I would give up bluffing, you know, continuation betting, bluffing on the, on the flop. After that, then I would slow right down if they if they've called. Yeah, yeah I, me too. I mean, I'm, I I would give it a try on the on especially the flop, if you got a draw as well. No, you just uh, yeah. I mean, th- then you're then you're more value betting yeah. if you've got some good draw. But but I'd be I'd be prepared to bluff on the flop if if I think there's any chance that they'll have cards they can fold because I, I think they can make a fold on the flop, but 
The, you, if they call, you give up, obviously. You don't, and you certainly shouldn't double or treble barrel bluff. Once they're in, they're in. So you just accept that once they've called the flop, you're, they're committed. I think another characteristic, whether they're all like this, but I, I, we have seen, is that they don't really have a regard for like pot odds. So if they have a, a flush draw or a straight draw... Yeah, that's a good point. Then on the turn, if you make a big bet, which they're not really getting the odds to hit their hand on the river. But for them, the excitement of the game is such, I'm gambling. I'm like, I could hit my hand and win a big pot. That allure, allure of the, the, the big pot and getting lucky on the river, they won't look and say, actually, this is too big a bet to call. I'm not getting the odds. I'm out of here. They will call. The funny thing is that they'll then when they hit, they won't extract value either. So like not only have they called without the pot odds, they'll then hit their hand and they'll they'll get nothing out of you. They'll either make a small bet yeah. or they'll they'll just check to you, you know. And it, so it's not like they're going to hit their hand and then get maximum value. It just doesn't happen. Or occasionally, if they're if they're out of position, because I don't think a lot of them are positionally aware, they will then donk straight out with a huge bet. When the flush card, so they, the they don't use the implied odds that they have. No. It just it is a deep stack. You're in danger with other, any other player, but with the calling station, they just they don't have the odds, and then they they, they maybe micro bets yeah. or so they don't take the check. Pot then odds or implied. It's not worth at all trying to to call, and then yeah, that's why I'm very weak. They don't extract value when they get tender then so we've established you shouldn't up maybe after uh, your your continuation bet on the flop with nothing has failed and they've called you then you can slow down and see the rest of the the board run out and it's unlike unless they've made something then they start betting you can get out um and most else? of the time you are going to win anyway because you starting hands are better usually and then also if you don't have anything you just beat up at the beginning with a continuation bet the pot and maybe you got to win because you got the better starting hands yeah I found that online sometimes yeah. I'm amazed at the end when I, I win unimproved with just an ace <laughs> and, yeah. and they've been playing 5-4 off suit yeah. or something like that because they are in a draw maybe because something. yeah exactly and they don't hit even a pair I mean what else shouldn't you do to fish I think you should um, just be aware that you they're not looking at your bet size so they're not taking a blind bit of notice of how much you're betting if they want to play then they're going to play whatever so you can't try and use the strategies of bet sizing against them because it just just won't work it's a, I think you just have to play a style where you're getting as much money as you can in when you've got a better hand and you exploit them because they're going to pay you off. You've, you're, the key is extracting maximum value. So you shouldn't be scared to three bet top. Not, not sorry, not three bet. Bet three streets of value with with top pair. You, you know, you you shouldn't be afraid when they're calling you. Um, mm. You should keep keep betting. Um, Probably you should bet no huge, just two third, one third of the pot in this case. Just don't don't extract value but not too much because they can get lucky I think, you know? I think Claire's right I mean there's a tendency and I've been guilty of it I, I try to I've tried to cut it out now is that I bet on the flop I get called 
I bet a bit more on the turn, I get called. And I think, oh, I've got top pair. They must have something quite good. And then I check the river. Yeah. And it's like they check as well because they're all too happy I to see a sometimes. showdown. And then they turn it over and you think, oh, they've well, only got second pair or they've got top pair no kicker but the and thing a calling station is try also with a draw if they don't eat the river usually if they don't have anything you bet they are going to fault it just yeah. unless they got a small pair and then they feel okay i think you have one. to accept sometimes you will wind up betting on the river with the second best hand and they're going to turn it turn they're just going to call you turn the yeah. hand over and you go Oh, you had a set. <laughs> you know? If the race, you know, the he can fault. Because I think it's wrong just... to try and bluff the river, though, because once they've got to the river, it's it, it's very hard to distinguish between when they've got second or third pair and they're just calling any bet and when they've missed a draw. I'm not sure how you really distinguish there. So, and the other thing is that I mean, I've 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 bluffed the flop and they've called me with over cards and then neither of us have hit. And I've seen them then just fold their hand and say, you've got it. And they throw their hand away. And actually their king high was good, you know, They're, because they they kind of sometimes don't want to show their cards or show that they only mm. called with over cards. They'll kind of throw it away and let you think, hopefully, that they were on a draw. Yeah, and it's strange because you know exactly what kind of cards they play. Yeah. Because if you play 75% of the cards, you know that crap sometimes you're playing. Then it's One of the things... I think you shouldn't do is point out to the fish how bad they are. And I've seen it at tables in Vegas where you, you've had people who are enjoying playing the game, they're having fun, they're playing lots of hands, they're calling, they're winning some and they're losing some. And you get somebody at the table take the role to tell them how bad they are. Uh, and berate them for their bad play, particularly when they've just sucked out on them and got lucky on the river. And it's like, no, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, that's crazy. I mean, fi fish have feelings too. <laughs> but you don't. You also don't want them to modify their behaviour. No. You know, you if, uh, they don't want to be drawn attention to. They don't want people to notice them in the game. So if you draw attention to them, their lucky draw that they made, you've just got to get angry inside and just not not let it show. You want them in the game. Just store it yeah. away and hope that you can take advantage later. Yeah, it's it's normal to lose. Look, also you got a big odds. But it's normal sometimes because it's not one of the person you are going to win that end. There is the odds. Then uh, even like uh, you got aces, the other guy has nines. He's going to call you onto the river. You're eighty percent favorite, but twenty-five the time is going to win the fish. Then it just. Don't be upset about this. It's part of poker. And what you mustn't do if they outdraw you is then stop picking on them and think, I'm going to get it back. I'm going yeah. to, like, you know, try try to, to get it and sort of direct your attention at that player. You just have to play the whole game and hope that your strategy is a winning strategy. And it kind of doesn't matter where your chips come from. Yeah, yeah. You shouldn't be targeting the fish to try and try and take it back from them. You have to play the, play the table. Exactly. The, I suppose... Uh, yeah, I agree entirely. I think sometimes you, you have an opportunity to sometimes isolate the fish pre-flop with, with raising uh, and to squeeze out some of the other players who, who are also trying to play against the fish. But if you have somebody who is calling so many hands pre-flop, you want to be heads up 
against yeah. them. But you risk to position. become a fish at this point. If you call too, mu- too many ends to the fish, you know, let's say. No, I'm not saying calling. The- I'm saying raising to get other players to fold. Uh, and I, I, mean, the, I think one of the most profitable positions in poker is to be sitting on the button, last to act, and the fish is in the big blind, and it's just you versus the fish in position, uh, in, a, in a sort of a raised pot, and they've called your raise. That to me is like you know, the, the, you know, the, the the ideal position. I can control everything. Then I haven't got to deal with two or three other players who have who have come in and called the raise or, and are kind of making it complicated. I saw also situation can get out of hands. Sometimes you got a fish, it's on your right, then he limps and you raise to isolate you raise big. And you start doing more frequently because you want to be involved with the fish. The other guys notice this and they start tributing you and take advantage that you are becoming a fish as well. You're playing, raising a lot of hands. It's not 75%, probably it's going to be 40, 48 transport, you want to play with this guy. And I don't like, controversially, I don't like having the fish on my right, actually. I like to be a few seats round from the fish. I mean, I much prefer the positions that Ray's talking about when there's sort of three around to my left or four around to my left and I'm in late position and they're in early position. I don't like when they're just immediately on my right because it's hard to isolate them, actually. You get a few mm. callers and you put in a raise and then some other people know there's a fish in between and they, they call mm. two expecting the fish in and... I, I think it's a poor position to be immediately on the right of a fish, personally. But I have some funny dis, um, ideas about positioning at the table, which are maybe a bit different to what people traditionally believe. Okay, I think it's all. I think it was interesting. Thank you, Claire. Thank you, Ray. Thanks, Larry. Thank you.